But we do have to remember that when we are communicating, when words are coming out of our mouth and reaching somebody's ears, that's that's a connection. That's a strong connection. And if we are not really believing in the things that we are saying or feeling the things that we are saying or able to create a feeling that's strong enough, then that connection won't be strong enough. And that's really important in both communicating and advertising and providing information and all of this, all of the oh, things definitely. that we do as, as voice people. We are communicators mm -hmm. first and foremost, always. Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. Sound plays a more important role in human behavior and our decision-making than you may realize. In this podcast, I'll help you understand the art and science of sound so you can better influence others in business and your life. I'm your host, Jody Krangle. Let's delve a little deeper. This is the first part of my interview with Dan Friedman. My next guest has been in the voiceover industry for nearly two decades. Voicing projects for Crown Plaza Hotels, Hulu Plus, Walmart, Hardee's, Aetna, and many more. And a professional audio engineer for 25. He's produced, directed, or provided his voice to thousands of audio productions. In 2010, he published a book called Sound Advice, voiceover from an audio engineer's perspective. A first of its kind in the industry, the book covers audio engineering and studio session etiquette as it relates directly to voiceover talent. He continues to write a popular blog at his website, sound4vo.com. He's a well-known voiceover coach, teacher, and home studio consultant. He's also a certified coach in the Roger Love voice method. His name is Dan Friedman, and I'm looking forward to hearing his perspective on how we can learn to better communicate. He's seen it all, from both sides of the glass, so I have no doubt he'll have a lot of golden nuggets to share. As always, if you have questions for my guest, you're welcome to reach out through the links in the show notes. And if you have questions for me, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com, where you'll find a lot of ways to get in touch. Plus, subscribing to the newsletter will let you know when the new podcasts are available. And now, without further ado, here's my interview with Dan Friedman. Welcome, Dan. It is so great to have you here. We've had a lot of conversations, but we haven't had them recorded yet. <laughs> I know, right? Well, I, I guess, yeah, Clubhouse, you know. Yeah. We've definitely been on Clubhouse a lot lately. It's so oh, fun. Oh, we did do one. We did do one recording, yeah. But thank you for doing those, too. Um, I'm hoping to schedule another one, um, hopefully in the new year, I'm thinking. Great, yeah. I would really love to come back, and uh, maybe we'll get some, some transformations going. I would love that. So, yeah, um, anyone who is interested in public speaking or having a better speaking voice or better communication, uh, please do join us on these upcoming clubhouses that uh, Dan and and possibly John Watkiss might join again. I don't know, but uh, um, he's a, an earlier podcast guest. So yes. those who are familiar with the podcast will have heard him as well. Um, and uh, yeah, we would love to do some transformations with people. So if you really feel that you want to take the plunge and do something about you're not being happy with the way that you communicate. Right, yeah. <laughs> if you're not happy with your voice, this, yeah. is a, this is an opportunity to maybe help fix that or improve it. Yes, exactly. So please do reach out if you are interested in that and we'll arrange something. We'll figure it out. Absolutely. Yeah. 
So uh, just getting into what we tend to talk about here, which is the power of sound, I want to ask you a question specifically, and I ask this of most of my guests when I start off now, because I love the stories that it brings up. So I'm curious if you have an early memory of how sound moved you. I do, actually. Uh, Glenn Campbell's Rhinestone Cowboy. Oh, I love that song. (laughs) It's the first song that I remember ever being in love with. Okay. Um, you know, I was probably three. Uh, I I just remember sitting in the back of my mom's car. Of course, I think about that and there's, of course, no car seat. I didn't have a seatbelt on. Of course not. It brings up all kinds of things, right? (laughs) Um, But just singing Rhinestone Cowboy at the top of my lungs. Yeah. uh, And really falling in love with that song. It was the first song that I think I ever fell in love with. And, you know, it just, it's visual, right? It's so visual, creates so much imagery in your mind. And I really remember making that connection between just how visual uh, a song could be uh, Mm. or any sound could be for that matter. Uh, And yeah, that definitely moved me. Definitely moved me. And it's it's actually fun to even think back on that because I haven't really obviously thought about that in a very long time. But yeah. How did it make you feel? Great. Uh, it actually makes me feel good now. Just thinking uh, about it. Right. Yeah. You, you get that feeling kind of in your chest, you know, sure. it's, uh, or or the, the, the hair on your arms kind of raises up a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Um, actually, a more recent time that... Uh, that happened was uh, watching the movie 20 feet from stardom, which is all mm-hmm. about the backup singers. So, uh, you know, Cheryl Crow started as a backup singer, yeah. but this moment where they, uh, Mary Clayton is sitting there. Uh, listen, she was the singer on gimme shelter for the Rolling Stones and they play just her background vocals and she's sitting there. And I swear that, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable, you know, <laughs> Ray it's just a shadow. I mean, and, <laughs> yeah. and her story about that is amazing because they pulled her out of bed at like one in the morning. She's like seven or eight months pregnant at yeah, the time. Yeah, I remember that. What yeah. Cra- I mean, it's crazy, but I wow. remember hearing that. Wow. wow. It just that that really it, it's so much fun when uh, sound affects you in that way. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's and it's big. It looms large in your life. <laughs> you know, yeah, you never forget it. Mm-hmm. You never forget it. Yeah. So is that how you decided to get into audio? Because I know that you were an audio engineer for a really long time. What yes. what got you into that? Oh, it's it's crazy, actually. So uh, I shuffled around a lot in my early days. I was a journalism major. I was a fine arts major doing photography and drawing and painting. And I was a hospital. We're hosp- all seeking ourselves. That's right. I was a <laughs> hospitality major. All like went to five different colleges, mm-hmm. like just, you know, really trying to find myself and doing it in the most haphazard, crooked way possible <laughs> um, until finally I settled down in Tampa. I went to t- specifically to Tampa to go uh, work with my friend's band, my best friend since ninth grade. We'd been hanging out. You know, I'd worked with every band that he'd ever been in. And I just didn't feel at that time that I had the capacity to really play music. 
um, which I have discovered recently is not yes. so true, but we'll get into that later, I'm sure. sure. Uh, but so I went to work with this band and I was doing photography and promotional packages and I was going to all their shows. And uh, I started going to, I was at our house gig a lot, which was kind of, we played there like three, four times a month. And we had a great sound system in this place. And the sound engineer there asked me one day, he said, uh, man, you're here all the time. I've got to go to Hawaii. I don't have uh, for a couple of weeks, but to see my family, I don't have a replacement. Would you like to learn to run sound? And I pretty much jumped on that opportunity. And within that six months, I was running sound for bands that were had been signed uh at the time of a, a band called the hazies uh, a band called mighty joe plum who later on had a, a number one hit on billboard so i'm working for all these big bands all around tampa at this point uh well actually a little before but uh and then i went to recording school to really learn what it was that i was doing because here i was working for these big acts at times and just thinking Okay, I I mean I get it, but I don't get it. Like I can hear it, but I don't get okay. it. Like how did yeah. I get there, right? So sure. I went to recording school, and uh, that's how that happened. And I've been doing it ever since. I've worked in radio, uh, doing that as well for a few years. I worked in live sound uh, for production companies. I've worked mm -hmm. in recording studios. I've worked in, uh, and, and really in voiceover specifically for the last twenty one years with the you know, and then doing. Uh, sound or doing some music on the side here in my own studio. Yeah. So the voiceovers came from doing the audio engineering for studios, maybe, or, or yeah, how did that come about? That's exactly right. I worked uh, in, I ma started studio managing uh, a studio in Atlanta that specialized in telephony. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but. This, of course, is a very long time ago, so nobody really did this, and digital audio is really just coming to the forefront. So a lot mm -hmm. of the things that you hear today are things that, you know, had been sometimes, in which case, came from the technology that happened back then. Uh, but I met uh, Susan Bennett, who's Siri, because uh, we, you know, both lived in Atlanta. I actually helped her build her in-home studio. Oh, great. Uh, my friend Liz Helgeson, who is the, been the voice of Wells Fargo and or you know I've been many Wachovia like all these companies right sure. um and but mo really uh Paul Armbruster was he's since passed on but mm -hmm. I believe you met him in Atlanta maybe uh years have you did you meet him I in don't the think Con? I did but I know he was a um a mentor of uh Kelly Buttrick yes Kelly Buttrick yeah. and yeah. many people in Atlanta yeah I heard really lovely things about the man. So, uh, yeah. You know, as a voice coach, he really knew everything um, because I've had so much coaching over the years. And of course, I am coaching now. Uh, the uh, he knew everything. He really did. Like he really presented everything. And ever since, like nobody has really covered it all in the way that he did. Uh, so it was such a s incredible foundation to have. Mm -hmm. uh, which really made me first a much better director, more a so good, than a, a voice actor. Right. Sure. And, and since I was working on the audio engineering side primarily, I wasn't doing any voice acting. It wasn't really until about three or four years later that I started doing voice acting at all. So I came into it 
uh, strictly from the audio side, um, which of course has just been tremendous because uh, tre tremendously fortunate because I oh, have yeah. that as a foundation for everything else. And of course it's enabled me to just be able to help people with so much more than just, uh, the voice acting side, or for that matter, for the audio side, the fact that I really work with both very, uh, well, <laughs> for many years. Yeah, and I'm sure it, it helped your own voiceover business as well, knowing sure. what you needed to know to produce good voiceover audio. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Are you looking for ways to improve your company's or podcast's impact? You'd be surprised how powerful the use of an intentional audio branding strategy can be. Want to know more? I have a free downloadable PDF that gives you my five tips for implementing an intentional audio strategy at voiceoversandvocals.com slash audio dash branding dash strategy. That location does ask to put you on a mailing list just to send you updates on when the new podcasts come out. But if you really don't want to give your email out, I understand. Just contact me directly. My email is all over my website and I'll make sure you get that PDF without needing to sign up anywhere. If you do sign up though, you also get access to a resources section called The Studio, where I have videos, white papers and PDFs, discounts from my guests and snippets of audio from my guests that no one else gets to hear. So maybe it's worth your while, totally up to you. And of course, if you're looking for voiceovers, you can get in touch with me about that too. Now, back to the podcast. So along those lines, then, you went from voiceover then to the Roger Love method of public speaking yes. and, and doing all that. So what got you interested in that? Because that's another 180 a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, well, it, yes and no. So... I mean, it, it's related. It, it, it is, but it also isn't, as I am finding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's kind of the interesting thing. So I started singing a few years ago publicly which is nothing that i had ever really done before <laughs> sure as a matter of fact i never even sang karaoke before oh okay so this was really very new mm -hmm. uh i started taking some singing lessons just to see like you know can i do this i and of course being so familiar with your instrument at this point uh it actually turned out to be kind of really really good my singing teacher said so after like my third lesson she says so why aren't you doing this and i said what do you mean she goes singing uh i mean and i'm like oh where out you mean out in public she's like yeah <laughs> uh, oh okay so uh anyhow to make a long story short i got in a band started singing and like i said never sang karaoke my first performance was a live performance with a band ever that's fantastic. Uh, on stage and it was fantastic i loved it and i've been doing it ever since and just in the last year i've been learning to play guitar but that's again it is another rabbit hole yeah uh back to roger love the reason that that is related is because roger love is a singing coach or is well known as being a singing coach sure he's worked with def leppard and poison and uh i mean just so many people those are the ones i know because they're the hair bands um <laughs> uh, i get it yeah yeah <laughs> uh, let me see if i can think of, uh gwen stefani 
Ah, okay. Uh, well, she's kind of, I don't know. Kind still of there, kind too. Of the same era. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I'm okay. getting nowhere with that. Showing my age all every step of the way. That's okay. I'm right there with you. <laughs> um, anyhow, uh, he was a, he's a singing coach. So as I started to get more into the singing thing, I started to get more aware of singing instructors that were out there and discovered Roger Love. And it just so happened that he was offering uh, and he's had never done this before. So I'm actually one of the first uh, in the world uh, to be able to do this was to learn his method of teaching uh, for speakers, which uh, and that's and that's how that occurred, really, which has really been a pretty amazing thing. My my initial thinking on it was, all right. This is a guy, I've been doing this for 20 years. He's been doing it for 30, 35 and working with, you know, amazing people. So I'm bound to learn something from him. Like I certainly, you know, I, I, I didn't uh, go into it thinking that I knew everything uh, and that I always can have something to learn from somebody. And always a good attitude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, right? I mean, anybody who's done it for more years than you, it has something to teach, in my opinion. Oh, totally. So I definitely wanted to uh, see what he uh, had to offer. And again, I was not familiar with him at all. So I really didn't know what I was getting into. But anyway, I became one of his first certified instructors. And uh, there's only, like I said, 60 or 70 of us in the world, and they are really spread out all over. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know that there's going to be another class to certify people for a while. So what I found out, of course, is that uh, it was very awesome to see that the things that I have been teaching for 20 years, way back, starting with, you know, the things I learned from Paul Armbruster and then directing and moving forward with many of these things are exactly the same or very similar to what I've been learning in singing lessons or at, you know, all of this stuff is just coming together, but he's uh, so much more focused on the instrument in a lot of ways that that was very beneficial in that now there are things, there are specific things that I can pinpoint and say, like, you can do this to fix that. And it's not even necessarily the acting portion, which, I, of course, I have been working on for a long time. Sure. So now it's also <laughs> yeah. the instrument portion, uh, positioning of your larynx, how to begin a sentence so that it's stronger. All of these things are just... Um, interesting nuances that I've been able to add to my repertoire of coaching and directing that has just really been transformational. So what are the similarities that you're seeing between the voice training and the voiceover training? <laughs> sure, absolutely. That's a great question. But it's pretty simple, really. Mm -hmm. Emotional connection. Of course. Okay. To, to yeah. be successful in either one, you have to have emotional connection in some way. Because really, we can teach you all the tools and we can give you all the things that you need in order to sound good or sound professional or sound in the way that you want to. But we do have to remember that when we are communicating, when words are coming out of our mouth and reaching somebody's ears, that's that's a connection. It's a strong connection. And if 
we are not really believing in the things that we are saying or feeling the things that we are saying or able to create a feeling that's strong enough, then that connection won't be strong enough. And that's really important in both communicating and advertising and providing information and all of this all of the oh, things definitely. that we do as as voice people, we are communicators mm -hmm. first and foremost, always. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. And also the power of sound, the whole power of that is that it gives us emotional context. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, that's yeah. how we started, right? It's the things that kind of yes. made the hair on our arms stand up, you, <laughs> yes. you know, and, <laughs> exactly, it's, yeah. and, it, and it's still like if we can create that powerful connection, uh, even even within ourselves, like I am sure, Jody, that the very first time that you read a script and it felt right. I bet you remember that moment where just inside it was like, huh? that that really felt good <laughs> yeah yeah you know oddly though that first moment happened before i had any training at all i know that's going to sound really really weird sure but um well that's okay but i remember there was one particular uh spot that i did on a really really early demo about standing stones and how incredibly interested I was about the subject matter and how much it impressed me of the, the majesty of all of that. And, and putting that across in my voice, it, it felt right, like you said. Yeah. But that was, that was before I, I knew my instrument as a singer, but I didn't know it as a voiceover. Sure. So you, these are things you learn and then remember how that felt. <laughs> Absolutely. What I tell people all the time is to really be successful at this. And, th and this is the hardest thing for beginners. They don't realize how long it takes. And the reason it takes long is because this really has to be experienced to communicate effectively. And if yeah, you're just... it's almost muscle memory. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like anything else, right? You have to put in the time. Yes. And with any art... It's not like you can just decide to paint one day and suddenly you're Van Gogh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, it's just not going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. You'll probably start with stick figures and then that'll probably progress into something else. And this is assuming that you have, you know, no capability or for it at all, right? And a lot of people try and get into voice work or, I mean, over the years, I've spoken to all kinds of people, people who have come from radio people who have come from other forms of broadcasting who we have to make sound more real and then we have people who uh, come from theater and stage and uh, those sorts of things where we have to also change some of the things that they do because they have different habits and then of sure. course we get the people from the call centers who say <laughs> yeah this guy on the phone told me I have a great voice and oh yeah yeah and then we get these people here who really think that they, they uh, I've been told all my life I have a great voice, right? And and then, <laughs> and, and that's a whole other issue. So well, there's a place for that too, there though, is, especially of now. Yeah, of course there is. There absolutely is, uh, and a lot of people that have been told that uh, probably have many good qualities to their voice. And if they would like to, for instance, if they do have a dialect or an accent, we can fix that. 
or at least tone it down to a place where it is more accessible to the rest of the world. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what the accent is, obviously, but but also um, sometimes those accents are in heavy demand. Absolutely. So you really never know. Like you can be from anywhere in the world and, you know, say you have an Indian accent, then, well, you know, if they're asking for that in a script, they're going to go to the authentic person. They're not going to go to someone who's going to put on an accent. <laughs> Absolutely. Dialects, you know, dialects now are everywhere and people expect to hear them and they're not just caricatures anymore. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Where for a long time it used to be that way. Uh, I never would say to anybody that you have to eliminate your accent or that you have to get rid of it. You should always be you. Mm -hmm. But if you want to communicate to a larger audience, oftentimes, especially if you're a public speaker and maybe you're traveling. Oh, yeah. Versatility. You, ver you know. Being versatile. And of mm -hmm. course, we, you know, we as voice actors know that being versatile and available are the, are yeah. the two most important things we can do. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. I know that we're all dealing with a lot of stuff these days, so I particularly wanted to acknowledge those that have taken the time to leave honest reviews of this podcast. Like Edward F2, who says, Jody does a wonderful job diving into the details of audio branding strategy with her guests. She finds a way to uncover great insights through light, entertaining conversation that will keep you listening straight through to the end. I'm really glad you enjoyed it, Edward. I hope you'll keep listening. And now, back to the show. There's a lot to learn and a lot to unpack in there. Uh, but yeah, um, so the, the training really helped you help people come into their own voice. Is that how you're sort of? Absolutely. And the thing is, is that I've also, even though I've been doing this for 20 years, this really taught me some things that are, uh, that I can identify people, other people who haven't been able to listen the way I've been able to listen mm -hmm. may not pick up on a lot of these things, but because of the way I listen, I've been able to hear things that I can make immediate fixes for people and voice actors too. voice actors sure. do not necessarily have, are not using their voices to the best that they can. And it's very interesting because I I'm hearing it in on actual commercials. I'm hearing people straining. I'm hearing people's voice cracking at the end of words. Oh, yeah. All the vocal fry, vocal fry, <laughs> and not again. Not that we want to get rid of all of that, but there's a lot of it that we're that I'm hearing that you know. I don't think I know for sure. A lot of people don't really realize how they sound, oftentimes, or the other big disconnect that's happening is the sounds that they're making don't match the attitude or the emotion that they're meant to communicate i see there's there's a what's an example of that Do you there's have a like disconnect a... there yeah an example of that yeah wow that's a really good question so <laughs> let, yeah let, i'm just curious because i i'm i'm pretty sure that i've probably heard something like that before but yeah. You, well, the thing is, you, you hear it all the time. For instance, you might be sounding a little authoritative on a particular line that should be 
perhaps a little friendlier. Okay. Because mm -hmm. you're in the zone that the script is generally authoritative or meant to be uh, a little stronger, powerful. And you lose sight, a lot of voice actors lose sight that the intention of the line, is, of a particular line, is not meant to be that way necessarily, even though the rest of the script could be. Mm -hmm. I, that's a very broad, you know, forest, sure. foresty kind of example rather than <laughs> trees. But it's kind of, the thing is, is that people don't hear their own voices that way. Yeah. So when you work with a coach, when you work with a director, they're able, hopefully, I know, I, I you know, I, that's my goal, is to steer all of this so that it's a cohesive package. It's, it's sure. really meant to sound connected and there should be no disconnects. And I just know, having done this for so long, that that is something that not everybody picks up on. And it is something that is very often very difficult to do when you're listening to yourself and auditioning for things. Sure. Because this is you. This is the way you do things and the way you hear things and the way you listen. Mm -hmm. And you're hearing your own voice in your head. And you may not even like the sound of your own voice when you hear it recorded, especially when you're starting out. So, yeah, it can take a little bit to get used to. <laughs> ab absolutely. Mm -hmm. So it's why a lot of people don't realize that this takes so much time to experience and so much coaching to find these disconnects or these things that are not making the whole package cohesive. Sure. Yeah. And there's also the idea that one script isn't the same note all the way through. Yes. So you're likely to see, I guess, what they call turns. Yes. So the turn in the script would require a different vocal tone. Exactly. What well, you know, if it were a of an acting script for camera, we would call it beats. So it's really the same sure. thing in still a voiceover script, it, <laughs> right? It's still audio. Yeah. So, uh, it's if you wanted to look at it this way, it would be the entire script is your book, and each little turn is a chapter in that book. Yeah. Yeah. And just like a book, the setting might change for a chapter, or certainly the 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 uh, the people in the story might change. There's a whole change that occurs there, but it's still the same book, so it remains in its zone. But there's moments that have to have some dynamic to them because that's really what makes it interesting to listen to. And that can happen in a 30-second script as much as it can in an audiobook. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a story. Every script is a story, and there are emotions and intentions and things that have to come along with that story, and we have to know what they are. That's the first big issue is a lot of people just simply are missing the boat when it comes to really analyzing the script and uh, determining what does this, what is it that I'm really trying to communicate here? Yeah, that's a good point. And, mm -hmm. and as we go further along, we actually get a little worse at it because uh, sometimes <laughs> we don't want to put in the time uh, that often a, a script requires because we get kind of maybe a little lackadaisical or we you get just, a little lazy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it can happen. It happens to everybody, you know, or you've just got so many that you're trying to blow through them and you and you miss things. So it, it can happen to anybody. And that's often 
why if you feel that you're disconnected or there or that somehow you're not landing a lot of jobs lately part of the benefit of coaching is that we get you to slow down and think a little bit so that we can make sure that you're putting together these things yeah so that all the pieces of the puzzle are there This has been part one of our interview. I hope you'll tune in next week for part two. Well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, why not tell a friend about this podcast? It's available in all the usual locations. Until next time.